A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Deadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Duper, Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet to review AEW Rampage and another fun one hour on a Friday night, Hamlet. Snobs, Wilborn. On, uh, on Saturday, I went to Snobs Nightclub in Birmingham where I drank loads of uh, cider because I'm a thick idiot. Um, before that, I went to several other pubs and bars around Bar- Birmingham City Centre. Before that, I went to a really nice, um, like, I don't know, one-off little beer place on the border of Bourneville, which is just outside of Birmingham. And for those that don't know, it's one of the very few areas, maybe, I think, maybe the only area in the country that calls itself dry. There are no pubs, mm. there are no bars. You have to just tiptoe over the, the county line, as it were, to get your first ale. I had a lovely plum IPA, the type of thing a rap mains might be excited by. <laughs> like, just a really, really cool and different evening. That's what I did with my Saturday because it's nice sometimes to do different things with your weekends. Are you listening, AEW? Sometimes it would be nice to do different things with your weekends. I don't know how many ways there are to skin a cat, but I'm running out of ways to say that Rampage was fine. You know, it's like, it's not a complaint um, it, that you could compare to any of the complaints you might levy at WWE. Like, AW is a mostly very good wrestling show. Often it's a great wrestling show, but mm. it's mostly always very good at a minimum. And call me spoil if you want, I guess. Uh, suggest that my expectations are too high. I love the opportunity to do Rampage in rotation with Cedric, like, and him doing SmackDown and all that kind of thing. But I don't know how you take Rampage from being at its best a B plus and at its worst C minus hmm. to ever be in an A again. I, do, I don't know how they do it. There was um, a title match on this show. There was pay-per-view ramifications on this show. And I, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is to help elevate um, a show that, you know, for their fault or not a, a permanent B show now. Yeah, it's 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 SmackDown from a few years back for me before the brand split. Oof. Like not essential viewing, if, if effectively, 
more, far better than I'd say SmackDown was back then, by the way. That seems very mm. negative. There's some, some quality wrestling on there. But like you say, if I didn't review it for my job, I wouldn't not watch it, but I also wouldn't be thinking there on Sunday night, oh, God, I've got to catch up on what happened on Rampage so I don't get anything spoiled to start the week. It's odd that we intro the shows like, I've done this with you before on a Rampage uh, review. It's odd that we intro it like this because getting granular and going into the details match by match or, you know, scene by scene, it's mostly going to be praise. Mm. And it was 60 minutes. So straight away, it's in the good books because it's mm. an hour-long wrestling show. We'd campaign for, you know, more of those. Or certainly shows mm-hmm. to be shorter than they are. So this, it's got so many broad positives going for it. But I think you're right. I think... Like, I think that the comparison to the pre-brand split SmackDown is apt. SmackDown was as good as a recap show at this point. So it's not it's not a recap show, Rampage. Mm, but no. it's like you say, there was the feeling that, well, I've watched Raw. So the like the most they're going to do on SmackDown is something that if it's really good, they'll repeat it on Raw anyway. Yeah. And I kind of feel a little bit like that. There is one glaring exception that I'm not going to name, but everybody's probably going to know what I'm talking about in a few seconds, that has never even appeared on Dynamite. And it's kind of made Rampage his show. And he makes Rampage feel special in the same way that Brock Lesnar makes WWE feel special. Oh, this guy's on Rampage this week. i got to tune in to see that, if nothing else. But with that one exception, with that one person that honestly makes Rampage feel like as important or more important a stage than Dynamite, I just feel like whatever they're doing on Friday is not as important as what they might be doing the following Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's fair. Let's let's dive straight into it. Let's start with this TNT Championship match then. Uh, it was Andrade El Idolo challenging Sammy Two Belts. He's there got he two belts for no goddamn reason whatsoever. Also, I thought Andrade stole them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he took them at the end of the like the, that beatdown, didn't he? Yeah, literally what? Last week? It's almost like they're not paying attention to these absolute clowns in this stupid, redundant story that doesn't belong on a pay-per-view that's already full enough. Look, no arguments from me when it comes to the wrestling that these guys can put on. Put Sammy, put Sammy Guevara and Andrade on a card, and I go, yeah, I want to see that. Um, yeah. And unsurprisingly, we, we got a very entertaining match. Doesn't need two belts, though. Only, he only needs one. The other one's an interim title. So, you know. Is, this, is it just me, or does it already sort of feel like this is a, yeah, this is this week's Petty Morning Bastards Rampage review. <laughs> I can already sort of feel like yeah, the, the subtext, by the way, of... Uh, how I started this podcast is that I, I maybe actually still be suffering ever so slightly from, from Saturday. <laughs> but uh, I got so petty. I I uh, I got so petty the other day when AW, I was happened to be on Twitter uh, and AW tweeted, uh, this Friday, uh, watch Rampage as uh, Andrade has his shot at the title. And I screenshotted the bit that said shot at the title, singular, and went, why Sammy got two belts then? Didn't think I response <laughs> directly from AW, unsurprisingly. Got... Uh, Got a fair bit of back and forth. And uh, yeah, no one could adequately answer the question. It's dumb. It's the dumbest thing. It's so dumb. Like, you know how on, um, and we've loved seeing this, by the way, but on Dynamite, when like some listeners have been going to shows and they've been taking signs, it's just, it's just amazing. Like seeing the podcast getting a shout out on a a show is the coolest thing. Um, I will welcome... Anybody, if they were going to do a Wilborn sign or a Dadley sign or anything like that, and they change their mind last minute and say, why has he got two belts on a sign? We'll know. We'll know that's a podcast sign. Take that sign. Ask that question in the crowd for Will. It's like the nice version of those dickheads that were buying tickets to like make abusive 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Signs, isn't it? It's like, why has he got two belts? And we'll know. If you if you take that sign, we'll see it in the crowd and we'll know that you're asking the question on Will Vaughan's behalf of Sammy Guevara. Indeed. Uh, anyway, uh, really, really nice opening to the match. They punch each other as hard as they can and then they do that bit where they showboat on the ropes. Tranquillo and then the sort of Eddie Guerrero feet on the top rope, Sammy Guevara uh, showboating. Uh, Andrade offers a hand to shake and Sammy gives him the middle finger. Uh, Guevara goes early for the GTH, but El Idolo gets out of there. Um, Guevara sends him to the outside, but uh, as he goes for the dive, Andrade slides back in and Guevara goes, fine, and hits him with a Spanish fly for a nice near fall. Uh, as Guevara goes to that double jump cutter moonsault or whatever it is, uh, Andrade pushes him off the top rope and he crashes and burns out on the floor, flying into the barricade uh, to take us to the break. Lots are in break. Andrade hits rolling vertical suplexes, uh, but Guevara small package him for a nice near fall. Uh, when we come back, as Guevara is tangled in the ropes, uh, Andrade hits that slingshot DDT to the apron, which always looks great. Um, Andrade goes up top, but Guevara recovers, meets him up there and hits a sort of super Spanish fly off, off the top rope for a nice near fall. Then there was a bit that I thought was a bit confusing. So they do all that. And then they are sort of sitting on the floor, exchanging right hands. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh I'm a bit exhausted. Maybe we'll both get counted out, a 10 counter, because we can't stand. And I was like, you, you're all right after the super Spanish fly. I think you'll be fine after a couple of hands <laughs> being exchanged on the floor. But still, uh, Andrade goes to take one of the uh, turnbuckle covers off. Uh, and as the ref is distracted, trying to stop him doing that. Matt Hardy, who's there with some of the HF AHFO, uh, at ringside, removes another turnbuckle pad from the other corner. Um, Guevara dodges a charge from Andrade, goes for the GTH, but Andrade slips out and gets a near fall off a cradle from Sammy Guevara. Um, in the, I think that was the point where actually Andrade had his feet on the ropes and a bit of confusion as to whether Hardy was trying to hold it onto the rope, make sure it remained on the ropes or pushing it off. Regardless, mm. uh, Guevara goes up top, Andrade comes after him, Goes for that hammerlock DDT of his off the top rope, but Guevara slips out and kicks Andrade's legs out from underneath him. And he goes face first into the uh, exposed turnbuckle. Guevara does the old double jump cutter off the top and gets the one, two, three to unsurprisingly retain the TNT championship. Post-match, in come the AHFO to beat down Sammy Guevara and coming out to make the save, of course, his trio's partners, Sting and Darby Allen. Um, and there was a nice spot afterwards with Isaiah Cassidy backing up away from Darby Allen, only to get clobbered by Sting and then hit with the coffin drop to uh, to close this segment. What do you think of the match and the post-match pamphlet? So I thought the post-match was nice. I thought the wrestling at points, yeah, like the exchange of moves at points in this match was great. Um, but the whole presentation felt like empty calories. Uh, and I was like trying to... I'm trying to like sort of crystallize my thoughts a little bit on this match. There was a sequence earlier on, and it's the sort of stuff where you that you alluded to some of it, you know, the, the dive just before you got the Spanish fly. It was the dive that was one of them awesome Sammy Guevara. I think like obviously maybe in a bit of like internal competition with Darby Allen to see mm. who just will go for will go for it all on a dive. So much so he kind of almost misses. But that's like, you know, you're throwing caution at the wind and you're supposed to be taking a risk. It's okay yeah. for a dive to not look like a, a flying gentle push. Um, but so as soon as you, ha like you have the dive and then they were rolling back in for the 450 and then there was a the slingshot DDT and then there was the um, 
like which was obviously onto the apron and then there was the spanner it's so much bang 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 and it's so slick and well performed and andrade's got that wicked side to the way he delivers spots we've kind of admired this from afar mm. for years and wanted to see it somewhere where this can be exploited weekly and we're only just really getting to see that in AEW now. And in, in that sense, Guevara is a perfect opponent for him. I did really like the mirroring of who's the bigger arsehole here. When <laughs> yeah. you had the Eddie Guerrero versus Tranquilo spot. So there was elements of this where I was like, I really admired the craft and I admired what they could do physically for it. But I don't think Sammy Guevara's matches are resonating in the way that maybe AEW would like. As like, I don't quite know what he is as the AW TNT champion, other than a guy that carries two belts when I'm reliably informed I should probably only carry one. <laughs> like, he's he's gutsy, but he's kind of a dickhead. Mm-hmm. So one undermines the other slightly. Like, you do want to see him fight from underneath sometimes, but he's so ultra cocky and confident that it's, even when he's fighting from underneath, you're still kind of thinking, oh yeah, he was probably kind of cocksure about that from before he came in. Mm. He's a kind of like, he's, he's unbothered by everything. And I don't think that's a particularly appealing trait. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Hardy's involvement, which again, I think that it, it wasn't terrible. The idea that like, is he completely 100% with Andrade? I think was left for you to decipher. So I don't mind the fact they're not patronizing you with the completely obvious story. I've got an answer. Uh, I don't care. I, I don't care. <laughs> well, and here lies the, perhaps the biggest problem is that this all still feels total fluff. Like Andrade and Sammy at one point, had it been better built, could have been a decent revolution singles match for the title. Mm. At another point, Derby and Andrade felt like the match that could have been for revolution. And instead, we find ourselves at this six-man. And that leads me to the post-match. Nice. Like, at least you've had Sting and Derby make the save for Sammy because of the interference. And now they've at least managed, managed to, like, sort of signify a bit of connective tissue mm. between Sammy, Sting and Derby. You know, we know that Sammy and Darby are at the point where they're fighting out of mutual respect as much as they're fighting for the fact that they just like to fight each other. Mm. So you at least put them together on screen and make the trio make sense for the benefit of this pay-per-view. But I just think this... I will not be talked down from this being the most inessential thing in AEW. <laughs> yeah. I, like, it seems sacrilegious to suggest that Sting should be on a kickoff. But that, to me, is where this match belongs. Like, this is proper, proper pre-show stuff. And if you lift, I think it is a matter of Sting, by the way. I think if you take Sting out of this match and replace him with another babyface, this goes on the pre-show all day long. And that's yeah. including the fact that Darby Allen and Sammy are in it. I just, I feel like this is obligated to be put on the pay-per-view because a few people need spots and they have got much else better to do. I, I will say this, right? And I realise that I'm being incredibly sort of big picture here where I would never, ever do this with WWE because they can barely remember what they did from one week to the next. Shouldn't Matt Hardy want Sammy Guevara to lose that TNT title because of the time that Sammy Guevara nearly killed Matt Hardy tackling him onto concrete? I, I, <laughs> but the, I mean, the pettiness, like, I, I realise that, oh, come on, that was ages ago, a different storyline, different time, blah, 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 and... You know, Andrade's got this, what, financial investment, which may have sort of pissed off Hardy that he's had to, you know, give up a bit of his company or whatever it is. But he, he didn't try and kill him, did he? But you've highlighted something else there as well. Is it not that the, they were mostly cursed, those two? Yeah. 
just because you flipped the alignments, how are we back here again? <laughs> Maybe it's the Hardy Guevara curse. Maybe it's that even if you strap a sting to it or like glue a Darby Allen on the side, it's still Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy, and it's still destined to not feel quite right. You know, yeah, when I was just in a weird mood watching this because, like that, I told her about. I said it about it earlier. That spot where they like punched each other and they're like, "Bloody hell, we're both exhausted." And I was like, "Well, this isn't the finish. I don't. No, no one is buying that we're getting a ten count. Like, what is this no. spot out of? And also out of do it out of the super Spanish fly or whatever you want to call it, avalanche Spanish fly. Don't do it after exchanging fists on the floor after the Spanish fly." I, you know what? I don't get the impression that Sammy Guevara gives much of a toss about that in his matches. And I have no doubt that he doesn't give a toss about what I'm saying right now either. And fair play to him. And I think that's like an important part of his aura and his aesthetic. Mm. But sometimes it's really good to give a toss. Like the, the placement of a spot like that is the difference between you watching a match, kind of letting the match happen in front of you and go, oh, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good, versus, oh my God, is the title going to change hands? Yeah. Oh my God, what's the actual result going to be? That's something that we see all the time across the week on all the shows that we review. And the difference between the two is often like wrestlers will walk a tightrope with it. And I just think they fell maybe the wrong side of the tightrope here. It'd be so, I don't know, it'd be so um, vacuous to suggest this wasn't good in places because of course it was. But like, did I really feel anything? I'm not sure I did. I never bought that the title was changing hands. No. And they, there was points where they absolutely broke each other for that as well. Mm. Anyway, next up, out comes QT Marshall, uh, who wants to have some words regarding Hook, uh, berating his father on commentary, uh, saying that Taz's son is disrespectful. Um, and he says that all the success that Hook's been having uh, is because of him. He wants he wants a thank you. Um, you know, he had a hand in training him uh, and wonders now if Hook has got the balls to come out and face him like a man. And there's a bit of a delay and QT Marshall thinks he's got the upper hand that maybe hooks way back in the showers or whatever and can't quite make it out there. But then, of course, uh, the epic music and the, the, the lighting change happens and out comes Hook. And so Marshall doesn't fight him. He, uh, he sends in some of his students who get judo thrown and one of them gets red rummed, if I can use that as a term, um, before Hook just looks at QT and goes, what a knobhead, and walks off again. He's such a badass. Fantastic. This was absolutely fantastic. They um, know what they have with Hook, and they continue to use what they've got just to expert effect. The um, <laughs> the sort of, I know you can't do these things, no look, but sometimes I'm watching Hook, and it feels like he's no looking anyway mm. because he's so, like, laissez-faire, and he's so cool and calm and collected that it doesn't feel like, He's even attempting to, like this judo stuff, yeah. it looks so second nature to him that he doesn't look like, he kind of looked like that would just happen to the person anyway. It looked like, the, you know, when Steven Seagal said he was could do it and people were just yeah. like flipping over him. Yeah, that's it. It just looks like these guys. But Hook is obviously super involved. Hook and QT Marshall. So here's my, like, I'm either going to be made a massive hypocrite of or we're going to have to have a bit of generosity because it's Hook. I want Hook versus QT to be added to the Revolution card. No, we've got enough. Thank you. But I wish that other stuff hadn't been added already. Yes. And do you know why? Because it's a substantial upgrade on QT Marshall versus Paul White. In, in, <laughs> yeah. a, in a match that was mostly purpose-serving, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, a, it was a palate cleanser at uh, Full Gear, was it? And it was, yeah. it was well-placed that night. I think it was either Full Gear or All Out. Well-placed that night, anyway. 
And I genuinely believe this would be an even better version of that. Well placed, three minutes. QT gets embarrassed. I'll take it on next week's Rampage, but I think you could yeah. make the argument that be on Revolution. And those that have seen the updated poster will know that Hook is on it. Mm. Yeah, I don't need any more matches being added to Revolution. <laughs> I'm already excited, but still sort of dreading our live stream because just they're marathons. Like, and I know WWE is it's a very different type of race, but where the I think we can like sort of it's very unique to the UK viewing experience, but we're kind of through the worst of winter now. That the one thing you don't want to see when an AEW pay per view is still ongoing is daylight. <laughs> I thought if they can beat the sun in, uh, like, sort of in Gateshead on Sunday night, I'll be pleased. Mm. Uh, we also then got a backstage promo from Damn Lambert and the Men of the Year. Um, Lambert had been uh, chatting with Tony Khan to try and get Scorpio Sky a TNT title match. Scorpio Sky apparently is basically undefeated in an entire year which is preposterous to think that he hasn't got a title shot. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, all that he could uh, negotiate, Dan Lambert, was a spot for Scorpio Sky in the ladder match. A ladder match, he pointed out, he's already won in the past and, yeah, reiterated the fact he's he's not lost a singles match in nearly a year. Um, but apparently, uh, Lambert has negotiated that Scorpio Sky will get a TNT title shot before the winner of Sunday's ladder match. I hate this. I hate it. So I don't, I don't, I don't think men of the year are a particularly great act, right? But that's subjective. And some people might think men of the year are the best thing going and you want to see more of them. And, you know, I love Dan Lambert, but like it's, this act feels like it's completely played out at this point. I mean, but, he did win the feud with Brandy Rhodes effectively, but yeah. Well, he yeah. did. And yeah, I guess he chased the Rhodes out of AEW. <laughs> the big issue with this, and we've said this before, absolute cardinal sin of WWE that AEW must never, ever do. Or like whenever they do, it's got to be by accident and then they've got to fix it. They must never, ever make the kayfabe authority, whomever that is, I'm not suggesting we need an authority figure, but we know Tony Khan to be the this this Jack Tunney type wrestling president figure that makes, he's a matchmaker, isn't he? Mm. Fundamentally. He can never be undermined in such a way where you are sympathizing with the heel. Why? Yeah. You ask the question, why has Scorpio Sky not getting the shot? Like, either Dan Lambert's right, and there's some sort of systemic bias against Scorpio Sky in Men of the Year, or it's a glaring oversight, which means that Tony Khan is a poor administrator, Yes, which looks bad on AEW, or, and this is possibly the most egregious of the bunch, Every other storyline in AEW, Cody, this was one of the things that used to wind me up about Cody when he would just say, what do you want to talk about tonight? And spin off into 15. <laughs> or, and like I say, WWE have done this so much now that we're desensitized to it, but I never want AEW to fall into this trap. Everything else you're watching that is rankings based, that is like all down to every single wins and losses matter. All of that stuff is kind of fake and garbage, but this is real. <laughs> what's uh, what's why is Tony Khan slamming the door in Dan Lambert's face? You know, like I never want to be no. asking those questions ever. And they, they've done this a couple of times. And like Scorpio Sky tweets it. He'll tweet his record and he'll just sort of, there'll be like a shrug emoji or the eyes or whatever. And then you're just like, well, yeah. Yeah, why is that? Yeah. And there's no answer for it. Certainly not in AEW storylines or not in the way that AEW, like how the framework works. There's no like logical answer for it. 
problem is, I don't think Scorpio Sky is that interesting at the moment. So they're setting up, they're like he's not involved in any kind of major angle other than I win all the time and I whinge that I don't get my opportunities. So don't make AEW the villain. Don't make the company initials the villain, but at least give his character a story in the meantime until he gets his title shot rather than just sitting around waiting for it. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm a bit of a hypocrite here because I will also sit here and say, well, you can you can be go 20 and 0 on AW Dark and I could not care less. If I've not seen you win matches on Dynamite or Rampage, you haven't won them yeah. basically. It's tree falling in the woods concept. Mm-hmm. Having said that, like you say, if someone sits there, I think it was 350 odd days that he said, and they say I'm undefeated in 350 odd days and not, Baron Corbin undefeated, which is like, starting from now, I'm undefeated. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to go and check. I'm not going to go, oh, technically, he lost this singles match or whatever. But in singles competition, if you've not lost in nearly a year and people are coming in, uh, and this is no, you know, no judgment on them, but off the top of my head, Jay Lethal, Tony Nice, all those sorts of people who just come in and go, title shot, please, title for my, shot for me. Yeah. It's, is, preposterous and like you say makes a mockery of everything that they've tried to uh, tried very well to establish but also isn't this just isn't this just a carbon copy of the gun club storyline we've won all these matches and we're not getting acknowledged as title contenders yeah good point good point it's a carbon copy of itself hmm. scorpio sky's been justifiably banging this drum for quite a while the men of the year have had and this is the other thing like not to just dig out men of the year here specifically but they don't feel so men of the year at this point probably are best served to be a tag team that gets beat more than they win and gets beaten up by the big baby faces en route to challenge him for the tag titles. Problem is, AEW is a fun place. Mm. AEW is a, like is mostly like the idea they chase joy whenever possible. That in in the start in the booking they chase joy. So the teams that get beat up in order for the baby faces to pick up wins are your two point and your um, acclaimed, mm. and they're. They're fun acts at the core. And men of the year aren't fun, but they're also not really serious like FTR. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or just the credible best of the bunch like the Young Bucks. And I'm really struggling to see where they fit in as an act. Mm. And then Scorpio Sky is saying, well, I'm picking up all these singles wins. So then what's Ethan Page doing? If that's what's happening with Scorpio Sky, it 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 raises way too many questions. None of of which have good answers. So this is bad. I think this is is pretty rubbish as far as AEW goes. Yeah. Let's move on. Do you even want the title match? Do you even want the Scorpio? Are you thirsting for... Yeah, like you see his record and you go, yeah, actually, he should have a match. But are you... like? Desperately starving to see that match. I mean, I, I'm sure that Scorpio Sky, I, I'm a big fan of Scorpio Skies, uh, and uh, I'm disappointed that they haven't capitalised more on this many of the year team because I think they've got a nice dynamic, but yeah, they've been presented pretty poorly and it's all been about Dan Lambert effectively. And I would like to see Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky, but there's no chance I'm biting on a pinfall. No. So, and he's had the Sonic, he had the Sonic ring. He's the, like, the, he tried it, you know? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix this, but it just it does seem a glaring issue at the centre of this mm. whole thing. So. Well, I mean, ultimately, what they probably should have already done by now is have him challenge and lose. Mm. 
because like I say, at the point at which he's been given what he deserves, it's not just what he's asking for, it's what he justifiably deserves. Once he loses the match, then you've gotten yourself out of trouble, but they've instead extended it and allowed it to carry on. And it only makes AEW look more inept for not seeing to that. And it's going to be even less believable that you have uh, Scorpio Sky versus Sammy Guevara. And let's just say Keith Lee is the one, because they've said this is going to come before the ladder match winner. So it's like, mm. oh, are we going to get Sammy Guevara versus Keith Lee or are we going to get Scorpio Sky versus Keith Lee? I think we all know we're going to get Sammy Guevara versus, well, Keith Lee in this example. So mm. it's just baffling for me, this. I mean, what they could do is if they were going to use, like Scorpio, say if it was Keith Lee, but they didn't want to <coughs> do a babyface, babyface match, you could use Scorpio Sky as a transitional champion. He finally gets a shot. He finally wins the big one. And then he loses it at first <laughs> Yeah. And then the new whinge becomes, I've only lost one match in 350 days or something, you know, and that's, <laughs> I, I guess there's maybe something to that, but I don't know. That, like, I think they've got to find a way to make this entertaining because just because it's happening, it doesn't mean that, like, I don't really know anybody that cares about this. You no, don't see exactly. much response to it. Mm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, something that we do care about is the uh, development of one Wardlow on AEW television. Uh, and he was randomly thrown into a match against Nick Comaroto, uh, <laughs> flanked by Aaron Solo, in the words of uh, CM Punk, I think he was, who uh, coined those terms. Um, <laughs> so it's two big hard bastards just clashing with each other. A nice sort of change of pace for, uh, for Wardlow. Although, 
I don't know whether Camarato should be used like this. I don't want him getting battered every single week. I'm not saying it's going to happen every single week, but he wasn't putting Wardlow in too much trouble. And look at Camarato. He is a great monster, um, mm. unless you'd randomly decide to twat him with one wooden chair that just so happened to be underneath the ring that one week. <laughs> anyway, um, early on, Camarato does get the advantage. Uh, Gut wrench puts Wardlow down, but he kips straight back up. Uh, and hits him with a belly-to-belly suplex and starts chucking Comorot around, no problem whatsoever. Um, Nick charges at Wardlow. There's an ad break in here, which was kind of not really necessary and sort of destroyed the flow of the match, but still. Uh, Nick charges at Wardlow, <laughs> who catches him and sort of suplexes him a little bit out of the ring. And when we come back from the break, uh, Wardlow hits uh, Comorato with a one-handed choke slam after Wardlow had gotten out of a one-handed press that he was doing. Uh, and he hits Comorato with a power bomb, and all the crowd realizes what's going on. I and mean, I think we get three more power bombs of destruction, a symphony so much, um, to finish this one off. Wardlow gets the victory. Uh, in slides the brilliant git that is Sean Spears to celebrate with his charge. Uh, and then he sees Aaron Soto climbing up top, just slides out to the side. Um, but as Solo comes off the top, Wardlow simply catches him, puts him up, holds him up in position, ready for another power bomb. And then Sean Spears nearly breaks Wardlow's goddamn hand by uh, hitting Solo as hard as he can across the back. Wardlow is fuming, but uh, Spears gets on the mic and says, oh, I'm just protecting you. Um, look, and I'm also trying to help you here. Let's, t- let's let's have it real. This this powerbomb symphony isn't working. It's not over. That means popular, he says. Um, let's get back to basics. No more powerbombs. Wardlow, you've got so much potential. And me and Max, we're so proud of you. And Spears hugs him. And there's a great shot over the shoulder. Spears looking very contented in the arms of Wardlow, as any man would. And um, Wardlow looking, let's just say nonplussed, Hamlet. All of this was tremendous. I understand um, your sort of, not complaint as such, but a nervousness around using Comorota like this when he's also a fairly big guy that can that can monster people on TV. But sometimes there is a time and a place for the um, a monster in the obvious ascendancy to take down another one to show that he's kind of the king of every yeah. jungle. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I think this was that week. Um, obviously, Wardlow's done, done his time squashing a load of geeks. He's in the process of squashing people, of like of battering people of various like credible levels. We probably had CM Punk beat. So it stands to reason that he should, I wouldn't say comfortably beat Nick Comorota, but just be the better version of what Comorota mm. wants to be, which is a, which is a, a monster in his own right. And I thought they told that story really, really well. Um, Comorota getting a little bit of an advantage. And it was nothing more than power game stuff, but being able to get a bit of an advantage was all he needed to put over that he's got that in him. But tonight is not going to be his night because this isn't his year compared to Wardlow's. And like I just thought it was like it was a nice, neat booking um, where you didn't you, to paraphrase our best friend Biggie. You didn't have to care about work rate because you knew what you were going <laughs> yeah. to get from these two. Um, Powerbomb Symphony looked great on a guy Nick Comerato's size as well. It's always cut that that question being asked of oh well can so and so hit their finisher on X and you think right well there's not anybody I, I would imagine he could probably hit some Paul White if he wanted. Wardlow's so big. In fact, I've just taught myself and I wanted to see that. So, <laughs> like, this was a nice, nice evidence of that. The Spears-Wardlow stuff continues to be great. This was, a, a, this isn't a complaint. This isn't a criticism. But I would say this was one of the more basic weeks for this excellent angle. 
Mm. But basic is sometimes good. The little um, appalled look on Wardlow's face was absolutely priceless. You knew it was coming. So you, they allowed you to be in front of the joke and then you get to see it displayed in all its glory. Um, we are all Wardlow. We're all as sick of Sean Spears as he is. Um, Spears is fabulous in this role as we take time to credit him for every week. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, like all of this is more what I like about Rampage than than the great wrestling, in truth, is when you get the short burst stuff, the hook stuff, the yeah. Wardlow stuff, the stuff that was to follow. An hour requires some things to go five minutes or less. And this is the kind of five minute or less stuff that I really, really like. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about, actually. Um, I saw some people kicking off about Jericho on commentary, talking about this turning into a shoot. Quickly, your thoughts on saying things like that, basically. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, there's going to be, whenever you get a comment like that, I think debate will rage because um, some pe- everybody's got a slightly different gauge of what they think is acceptable terminology. Mm. Um, you know, this is, so it, the, Sean Spears made a gag of it. Like getting over means mm. popular. Like that's him providing a glossary for an in, for, for a term that was once as insider as shoot, but it's all out there now. You know, like Cody put it in a sixth gear and ripped off the knob so many times in his promos that I think that comment from Jericho feels fairly milquetoast compared to some of the stuff that Cody okay. was throwing out there. So it's like that one doesn't bother me, but I suppose if I'm trying to play both sides a little bit, there probably would be terms that would wind me up. Hmm. But that one just wasn't. Yeah, and it, like that, and as that, well, that, is, is shoot fighting in itself not known as something else that could easily be applied to this too? Yeah, I think I think that was a little bit of reaching from the uh, Vincels on that one. <laughs> and the other thing I've seen people talking a lot about recently is is Aubrey Edwards. Um, you know, issues with counting pinfalls, let's say. Uh, and uh, last week's dynamite, I believe, was a real central problem. But what I will say. It's, she really popped me on this because there was a bit where Wardlow, I think it must have been the third powerbomb, it hits Komarotto with it. And she's just like, well, that's it, finished. I'll get ready. And then he mm. pops, he does the roll through to pick him up for a fourth yeah. power. And she's like, well, okay then. <laughs> Another one it is. So I did enjoy that. I will say that. Um, I like Aubrey. I, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of... Yeah, needless hate regarding her online. I think she is, you know, potentially a little bit too attention grabbing on certain at certain points. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather that than some of the alternatives, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, I think most of it is um in an earnest I'd like to think most of it is in an earnest attempt to sell the um gravitas of what's happening in the ring rather than mm. to get herself noticed. I don't get the feeling that she's doing stuff to try and steal focus. If anything, no. I think she's trying to enhance the experience. Uh, we got Serena Deeb's a five-minute rookie challenge next uh, against Kayla Spock. You know Kayla Spock. She's the one who got kissed by Los Lotharios on the same night. Yeah, Ravishing Rick Rude stuff. That's her. And was this not the case for one of uh, Lashley's ladies? We talked about this on the, on the SmackDown uh, review. Yes, I can't remember who it was. Apologies. But there was definitely yeah. one of the crossover, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, doing the old Rick Rude who did it orig- originally. It was Rick Rude on Raw Nitro. This is the real Forbidden Door. Indeed. Uh, I'll just say that uh, Kayla Sparks had, had a better time on SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Smooched by the Lethal Lovers compared to getting 
wrecked by Serena Deeb. She choked her out with the robe as the match basically started. Uh, there was a horrible bit where she tied her up in the turnbuckle and just like tried to rip her knees out of its socket. And then when that, well, he got she got the five count for that. She was like, okay, but what if I like try and rip her head off as well and just cranks on her neck? Um, oh, that's so goddamn much, man, when she was hanging upside down. Yeah. I loved it. It's the usual thing. She's got this match won within 30 seconds, but she's just toying with her at this point. In the end, uh, she decides about two and a half minutes is enough and uh, pops her in the serenity lock for the submission win. Good. More of this sort of thing. Yeah, this is... We're never not going to praise this stuff. Um, it's it's not... It is enough, initially, for a wrestler to have a five-minute challenge because they're big or the dominant or the strong of their experience or whatever it is, the skill they've got that gives them the confidence to believe that they can win a five-minute open challenge. It's not just enough to beat the clock every week. You've got to beat some poor person up as well. Yeah. Serena Deeb is a wrestler that looks excellent enjoying her work and the way in which like, so that upside down submission this week was the particular added viciousness that she did more for fun than for function. And that's what's making these matches so great is the fact that she, in a match that theoretically should be set up for her to be as functional as possible, she is, is instead using it to have horrible fun. It's, um, it, it, it's, and it even acknowledged it on commentary that, that she did all that and then she seemed to be setting up for the serenity lock. And I think she trapped uh, Kayla's arm and then was just yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to fall back and just really damage that a little bit more, even though I completely don't need to. So great. Like, that's it. you got to, like, you, you don't have to, I guess, but there's an element to this where if you're not going to knock these women out in 10 seconds, and she might well do that next week or the week after, but you got to relish the two minutes instead. I love this. I, lo I love this whole thing. Uh, then we got the contract signing for the uh, Women's World title match. Uh, Thunder Rosa's still furious at Britt Baker. Calls her a cheater. Promised to uh, give the uh, fans a better champion. And Britt Baker fired back. Uh, said, look, you may have won you know, the lights out match. But let's be honest, people only really care about you when you're paired with me. Um, you won the fight, but who got the t-shirt? Who got the action figure? Who got the title in the end who really won she said you'll never be the pillar that i am you will never be the face of all elite wrestling baker signs the contract and the uh the ink isn't even dry as soon as thunder rosa dives across the table to finally get us a hands on her now the match is official uh of course rebel reba uh and jamie hater are there with Britt baker and that allows them to make the save and use the numbers game to beat up Thunder Rosa. And then who could have called this? Oh, yeah, me on the preview on Friday. Who should come out to make the save for Thunder Rosa? But one, Mercedes Martinez. Um, and in the end, Martinez spine busts Jamie Hayter through the table and Thunder Rosa stands tall with the women's world title. Yeah, decent this. Um, it's uh, ultimately most of this is what's been fan cast by us and plenty of others since the lights out match, you know? Mm. Um, everything that Britt Baker said, everything that Britt Baker said is true, um, but it's in a way that like helps you helps lend yet more sympathy to the babyface because we have seen Thunder Rosa like come frustratingly close to getting what she should have got all along, which was access to the woman's title that Britt Baker has instead slid in and taken. You know, it's something that they'll or that they've kind of like repeated with Adam Cole losing to Orange Cassidy and that not particularly mattering. You know, it's it's who's going to really come out on top. It's the, it's a nice way to ease the lights out thing. And it's something that we've enjoyed watching. And if anything, as nice as that pivot was to have it be revealed that Britt Baker was paying for Mercedes Martinez to take out Thunder Rosa, which of course sells that she is in fact afraid of Thunder Rosa. She's now got no choice but to 
you know, like buck up to her. But previously, we know that she's not really wanted her to fight her. She's done what she can to avoid in it. If anything, I, they've got to this a bit late, haven't they? Like the pay per view is this Saturday. I would have, I would have loved it if they'd have got to this point much sooner because Rosa was fantastic here as well. She's such an awesome baby face, but I believe her so much as somebody that feels not just like she wants to take Britt Baker's title, but she wants righteous vengeance mm. for not having the year that Britt has had, despite being the one to come out on top in the lights out match. Tremendous. I'll take the tag or I'll take the singles on Dynamite as in, as that like one last big thing to do before the match. And I'm really looking forward to the match as well. So the contract signing was effective as a promo, as a promo in the way that it promoted. The second best contract signing on Friday night. Well, yeah, yeah. A sensational one on SmackDown, uh, which even Michael Sidgwick liked. So if you want to know his thoughts on that, go and check out the SmackDown review right now. And we'll move on to the main event. Unfortunately, we are still recording this over Zoom. Hopefully, normal service will resume tomorrow. So I have to do the thing myself. Well, actually, I haven't got to it yet. Got to talk about what happened. (laughs) (coughs) Because uh, there's the back and forth between... um, uh, Anthony, well, Max Castor and Anthony Bowen, really, and then Orange Cassidy beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, they describe Orange Cassidy to a T. Macklemore looking ass. Uh, <laughs> Max Castor said he looks like Ryan Gosling with scurvy. Uh, and they say, face of the revolution. More like face of Ellen DeGeneres, bitch, which got me. <laughs> and Orange Cassidy responds by saying uh, that he wasn't listening. And Mark Henry was, thankfully, because he says, well, Looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the move. It needs buttons. And uh, I've read. You think we can't put in needless sound effects and bollocks on a podcast without a soundboard, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, there was a bit of an uh, Easter egg uh, on this because <laughs> I've read subsequently because I thought that the rap was so weirdly disjointed. Apparently, Max Castor had a line in about Putin, so understandably yeah, that was that was cut out because it was one of those things where maybe it was okay on Wednesday night. I probably think it was still ugh, a grey mm. area, but considering what the backlash we've had before and where we are in the world right now, probably yeah. probably the right decision. Uh, I did also like the line: "Best friends, very nice, very evil. I guess you're not friends with any black people," which I thought pretty great, pretty great. <laughs> but, uh, Gonna be a Tony Khan tweet about that. So here we go. <laughs> uh, and then we got yeah the brilliant uh, Anthony Bowens. I fall in love with this guy. He's brilliant every week. I see him. Uh, he's really like he was my pick a few weeks back to get into this ladder match. Spoiler about spoiler alert. He didn't. Um, he was my pick to get into this match and have a showcase like we got with Matt Castle last year because I think Bowens has come on. I don't know whether he's he, he's been always this good and I've just not really noticed it because I've just been like oh it's the rap guys. Hmm. Always just come on leaps and bounds in, in recent weeks and months because, yeah, I just think he looks great and he can talk and he can work. But anyway, uh, we got the match with uh, Orange Cassidy and uh, oh, I really didn't like the bit with Orange Cassidy saying word to your mother, if I'm honest. Oh, so oh my God, it reminded me of like, as I said this to you in the office today, it reminded me of the bit where they're doing a sort of wink and nod to the audience by having the children's entertainer in the pantomime pretend to be a rap guy. Orange Orange Cassidy is completely finished until he's magically fixed and everything is fine. That's what I've realised. On weeks like this, I can... 
sit on my stupid little soapbox and think that Orange Cassidy is done and they've absolutely cooked this character and he's been overexposed and they've run out of jokes and they've run out of cool and they've run out of everything that made Orange Cassidy magic. And then one of these weeks, instantly, as if from nowhere, it'll just feel great all over mm. again. Such a, such is a joy, this character. But this was very much an off week for Orange Cassidy. And like, more's the pity too, because you're right about Bowens and... Caster was a lot of fun in this, and the acclaimed in general are becoming an increasingly vital act on AEW. Mm. And when you see um, an act that feels vital to the show, an act that feels crucial to the success, the ongoing success of the roster, and then the guy on the other side, by comparison, looks fairly expendable, mm. and then that guy wins, it doesn't exactly leave you feeling much of a high as the show ends. Mm. Are there, there's Zach that I'm really, really, really bang into. They're the ones that I want to be talking about more. They're the ones that I love whenever they pop up on screen. And then the act that was once white hot is now far from that and yet is still getting put into a match. I think he is included in this match. So it looks like they're still focused on him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I don't think I don't think the um, the win against Adam Cole or this here denotes any kind of significant push. I just think they and you know fair enough that's that means star power counts for a lot. But I think he's in there because in their minds they've looked and thought, well, Orange Cassidy should probably go on pay per views hmm. and and on he goes. But I wouldn't say it's because he feels particularly like a feature player at the moment. No, I mean I, I realize I'm in a very precarious position being like. What's this white guy trying to do rapping? But <laughs> Rampage Rap was so last year, Michael Hamlet. And uh, when I thought Orange Hatter was going to rap, I was like, oh, no, 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 don't do this. And then he did the, you know, the kicks. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then he sends um, one of the acclaim to the outside and then drops the word to your mother. And I was like, oh, yeah, vanilla ice. Very good. Just didn't do anything for me, if I'm honest. Um, what did do something for me was, because I'm going to say this, Max Caster twatting Wheelie Uter in the face with a chain. <laughs> Off the lap. Uh, and uh, Bowens catches Cassidy and drops him face first on the apron to take us to a break. When we come back, uh, Max, Cass- Max Cassidy? Orange Cassidy, that's the right one. Uh, he hits a crossbody off the top, but uh, Max Caster makes the distraction uh, to allow Bowens to recover and hit a super kick. He goes for a suplex, but Cassidy counters that into the Stun Dog Millionaire. Um, Bowens, though, hits a spinning slam and a running knee strike for a near fall. Uh, Cassidy fought back and hit a, a Mishinoka driver for a two count. And then Cassidy backdrop Bowens to the floor and hit a springboard middle rope dive onto both members of the acclaimed. He gets back in the ring. Pair of diving DDTs for a near fall for Orange Cassidy. Uh, Max Caster tries to slip the boombox to Bowens, but the ref stops it. Um, and Bowens still manages to recover and hit it like an inverted Uranagi for a near fall. Cassidy falls out to the floor and Max Caster goes after him to twat him with the chain again as, as Bowens sort of takes the referee. But a hooded and masked man distracts him. And as Caster takes off the mask and pulls down the hood, it is revealed to be Danhausen who curses Max Caster. And now uh, we all know where this is going. Orange Cassidy hits him with the orange punch, gets back in the ring. Same thing for Anthony Bowens. One, two, three. Orange Cassidy is heading to Revolution to take part in that ladder match. What do you make of the match? That Dan Hansen's involvement and Orange Cassidy being a part of the uh, pay-per-view. I thought all of this was bang average housing. I've got to be honest. I, I didn't... Um, 
I didn't pop at any point. For, like, I thought the escalation was there for you to, like, for there to be genuine doubt over the result. I'll say that much, for there to be doubt over the result. Bowen's, uh, like, I, I think we've been full of praise for Bowen's on this podcast because the rate at which he's improving almost makes you fear for the life of the acclaimed. Mm. He is coming, like, he's developing at such a clip that AW might be tempted to eventually like to split them up or at the very least just pivot into putting Bowens in singles matches all the time and keeping mm. Castro predominantly his mouth. I'm not totally against that, but I think the acclaimed is still a blast of a tag act and there's a long way to go. I also think you could eventually turn them babyface and you'd have an awesome tag team title run on your hands mm. with them. So it's, I'd, I'd like to think youth means that there's no reason for anybody to rush just yet. But this wasn't the night, I don't think, for... Um, it's it's not one of the ones from Bowen's recent matches or recent appearances that would particularly put on highlight reel. Not bad, just not a great deal of fun for two characters I expected quite a lot from. Mm. Again, I just feel, I just felt like Orange Cassidy feels quite tired. Um, everything feels very formula at the moment. Danhausen has cursed Max Caster. He's also cursed Adam Cole, and did he curse the Young Bucks? Who was Possibly. it? Who was the other? There was another. There was another curse there somewhere. I cannot remember, but like. Either that's all he can do because he's still injured, but it's something about the character that is getting over, along with the other stuff that gets over that I, I don't really understand. But fair play to him, you know, it gets us so. This is the thing we have to say all the time. I feel like I'm boring myself talking about it. You know, the reactions in the building are very nice, very evil, but it, it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily feeling them through the screen. Mm. So until until that happens, I kind of I kind of fake it for people that love Danhausen, but a lot of people love that Danhausen. So like more power there, more power to him. More power to, you know, AEW have spotted that and can use it for the finish. You know, who's he gonna who's he gonna curse in the ladder match? Like Ooh. there's there's your clear. Forsooth, I have felt the powers of a toxic <laughs> curse. You know, I, like whatever. I, I thought all of this, very much in keeping with Orange Cassidy's general demeanor, I thought all of this was very whatever. Oh, when, I yeah. was hoping for, when I was hoping for something a little bit more. Yeah, I, I uh, doing the preview on Friday, and I was like, oh, who's who's in the confirmed ladder match? And I went on Revolution, and someone had updated it, so I already knew. Uh, that oh, that's match. not on. Yeah. So midway through the preview, I was like, well, I can't give any more analysis on this because I know who wins. So, oh, so they're just hiding the spoilers in the Wikipedia page. Yeah. So that was frustrating. Oh, sure. And uh, and as a result, yeah, maybe I wasn't as invested in this match because I knew which way it was going. Uh, the Dan Housen thing is what it is. It, it, I'm not I'm not angry about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not going to be there going, oh, don't. But I also am not, you know, chucking babies in the air about it. I'm very much just the sort of shrug emoji when it comes to him. Yeah. As of as of right now, he gets a great reaction. Don't get me wrong, um, but it will be interesting, like you say, when he, he does have the ability to return to in ring action. How they handle that and, and what they do with him. And yes, I think he should curse Ricky Starks. Why don't they have him curse Scorpio Sky? And that's how he finally loses. And then you get that's how you get the curse over. Oh, I, like, I would like I would like Ethan Page taking the piss out of Danhausen, because Dan Lambert is a guy that just be like, you're an insult to the name Dan. <laughs> you're not even a man. You're some sort of ghost. Like you could be ghost of the year, but you're not a man of the year. And then he curses Scorpio Sky, who then subsequently loses. Yeah, and then well, and then Danhausen makes a funny video where like he says, "I want to be a Dan of the year," 
can I be a Dan of the Year, Dan? And uh, he, he does like Dan Lambert housing. And he yeah. wears like the Dan Lambert American top team gear, but with his with his funny face. <laughs> am, am, am I capturing what the appeal? Yeah, I don't know. I, like, is, am I... You're asking the wrong guy, I've got to be honest. Um, but anyway. Uh, you just put him in the frigging, put him in the match instead of Sting. <laughs> just put him, put him in there. No, actually, I like Sting. Put him in there instead of Darby Allen. Give Darby Allen a night off. Who's yeah. body rest? Hide Dan Housen in there. Nobody will notice the difference. Well, let us know your thoughts on that. And, uh, well, this episode of AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Um, our SmackDown review is available right now, and our preview for Monday Night Raw is coming your way later on today. But for now, this has been the AW Rampage review. My thanks to the Michael Hamlet. My thanks to you for joining us. And we will see you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.